This episode of No Playbook is sponsored by LTT Productions. Like, comment, share, tell your friends, even tell your grandma. Get the word out about LTT and we can watch this thing grow together. This episode of No Playbook is brought to you in partnership with musician Jumbo the Bear God. You can get his new song NDA wherever you get your music and make sure to check out his music video on YouTube filmed by Bonzo Raps and in association with Create the Mood Films. A link to his YouTube page will be linked in the Twitter post and also in the description. Make sure you check him out wherever you get your music and thank you to Jobo for partnering for this podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Smith Media Consulting. For all your audio or video production or for media consulting, contact Smith Media Consulting at 618-294-3399. Again, contact Smith Media Consulting at 618 618- Two nine four three three nine nine. Make sure you stay up to date on everything LTT Productions related. You can follow LTT Productions on Twitter at LTT Productions One. You can also follow the host of the No Playbook podcast, Drew Pounton, on Twitter as well at Pounton eighteen. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter for everything LTT Productions related. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the No Playbook Podcast. We're back at it again with some NFL news, some NBA news, and some MLB news for the first time, I think, in the podcast history. But before we get started, let's hear a word from today's sponsors. This episode of No Playbook is brought to you in partnership with musician Jumbo the Bear God. You can get his new song NDA wherever you get your music and make sure to check out his music video on YouTube filmed by Bonzo Raps and in association with Create the Mood Films. A link to his YouTube page will be linked in the Twitter post and also in the description. Make sure you check him out wherever you get your music and thank you to Jobo for partnering for this podcast. So when it gets to the Baker Mayfield news, he is being traded to Carolina for, I believe is what a consensual pick. I think that it can, or it is a fifth round pick, but has the capabilities to moving up to a fourth round pick. So either way, the the Panthers got a steal of a deal here, getting Mayfield for just a late round pick is pretty much what it was. So um, one of the big things that was coming out with the with the Baker Mayfield being traded, is that no team wanted to take on his contract. So the Browns and the Panthers and eventually Mayfield all got together and agreed to terms like this. The Browns are going to take on $10 million. The Panthers are going to take on $5 million. And Baker is going to take a $3.5 million pay cut to go to Carolina and be with the Panthers. Now, one of the things that I've seen everywhere is, does this make them a playoff team? Well, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I think whenever Baker is at his best, he is a top, uh, I would probably say top 15 quarterback in this league. You would put him right where I believe where you would put, you know, Kirk Cousins at. Uh, but with Baker... Uh, reports are coming out you know it's pretty much just a finger pointing contest at this point between the Browns and Mayfield comparing to how he was childish and immature and how Stefanski missed a meeting with him blah 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 it doesn't really matter at this point all that we know is that it didn't work out in Cleveland and now he has a new home in Carolina 
And I think this is a really good move for the Panthers, especially considering what they gave up. I don't know what their move is. Uh, I know that they drafted Matt Corral in the second round of this past year's draft, and he wasn't as ready to come in and play. I think that the most consensus, the number one guy that if you wanted him to come in and compete for a starting job would have been Kenny Pickett. And obviously he went 20 to the Steelers, but I say all that needless to say that this is pretty much a rental. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are both on really hefty contracts between the two quarterbacks alone. They're making right around, well, I guess the Panthers are paying Baker $5 million. So they're making right around, what, maybe like $23, $24 million with all the hundreds and thousands of dollars in there. Because uh, Sam is on a, what Baker was on, right around an $18.5 million contract because these guys were drafted in the same year and they were only two picks apart. One was Baker, three was Darnold. I don't know why two is slipping from my memory at this current moment, but either way, that's not important. What's important is that this has been the highest quarter, high, highest drafted quarterback room, I believe, since 1950s, right around there is what I heard correctly. Or it's, it's been a while is what I'm trying to say. Um, and with Baker, this past season, he, he was banged up. And it, it was fairly obvious. Uh, his first rookie, his rookie year came in. He played 13 and a half games because he took over for Tyrod Taylor. I, I don't. I think it was midway through the game, a little bit before, a little bit after. But he came back, and they ended up winning that game. And then he threw for the rest of the season 27 touchdowns and 14 interceptions for the for in 13 and a half games. 2019, he had his worst statistic, statistical season. A 59% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. In 2020, he had his best statistical season with a 63% completion percentage, 26 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. And in 2021, where he played just 14 games, he had a 60% completion percentage, 17 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. This is a good question of if they are a playoff team or not, specifically off the fact that I really believe it comes down to is Christian McCaffrey healthy? Because with a healthy Christian McCaffrey, he was making Sam Darnold look good. Remember the Panthers picked up his fifth-year option week four whenever McCaffrey was healthy, but of course he went down. The offensive line is going to be really good. I wouldn't necessarily say really good, but they got who some people regarded as the best lineman in the draft in Ikimokwanu. They got him at six. Um, seems to be a stud. There's a lot of good hype around him, and for rightfully so, he was the best run blocker in the draft. I personally thought Evan Neal was the best overall tackle, but I think he went maybe the he went seven to the Giants is where he went. So either way, I say all this to say that they are a a improved team. I don't think that they've really lost anybody. You're gonna have Sam. Christian McCaffrey, um, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson are still there. And Robbie Anderson, whenever all this way back, a couple months ago, whenever this all first started and where it really came out, whenever Baker could have been a Panther, Robbie was like, no, no, I, we don't we don't want him over here type deal. And then he came out a couple, a couple days ago and said, oh, you guys are just trying to spin the narrative because of just the fact that we don't want him over here. It's like, no, you said, you, you you told us, the media, that you didn't want him over there. You, you didn't want him over here. 
and the fact that you don't you know you weren't in the deal whenever this all went down whenever that we weren't sure if Deshaun Watson was going to be there I I thought they were going to have to trade Robbie Anderson to get Baker Mayfield and they ended up keeping Robbie uh, who's been really good. He's been with Sam his whole career pretty much. So uh, it'll be interesting to see because I do think that Baker is a – I think Sam has a better arm, but Baker is way more accurate. And less, even though Baker does throw a lot of interceptions, he is less prone to throw interceptions because I don't think that – he Sam obviously has the better arm. He can uh, just physically strength-wise – because Sam will look at a ball and be like, I, I can throw it, you know, I can get it there. And he gets intercepted on the fact that Baker can sit here and he, he'll – I remember they were comparing him to Drew Brees whenever he came out of college. He was just so accurate. But this is really going to prove to the world how good Baker Mayfield is. Because he came in – obviously the Browns were a mess whenever he got there, but they were in the process of turning it around. But they have one of the best offensive linemen – uh, offensive line core. They have the best running back duo. The receivers could use some help. I do think that Carolina has the overall better receivers, but that's about it. The defense is so much better in um, Cleveland. So it'll be interesting to see. The ceiling for this team, I, I would say maybe a, for like a wild card, maybe the fifth, the sixth, the seventh spot of the wild card. I definitely don't think they're winning that division because I definitely don't see them beating the Bucks or the Saints. So they're they're probably going to finish third. It'll be interesting between them and the Falcons. I do think that the Panthers are better, but in case, you know, Baker doesn't really pan out, he, uh, you know, I think Matt Rule, this could be a really big year for the Panthers. They could do a complete overhaul this upcoming year because Matt Rule is – not really impressed. He hasn't really had much to work with and much to impress with, but he hasn't really impressed coming up from the pros from Baylor. A lot of people speculate that he will be going back to college to replace Chip Kelly at UCLA by the end of the year if they don't show some sort of, excuse me, some sort of improvement. And then, oh, uh, I don't remember their GM's name. I want to say it's David Tepper. But I think that's their owner. But their GM also hasn't really done anything. They gave up a second-round pick and a sixth-round pick to get Sam Darnold, which is looking a wor- like a worse trade day by day. So it'll be kind of fun to watch. It'll be a good storyline just because of the fact that they're going to have an open quarterback competition. I think, obviously, Baker, like I mentioned, is way superior than Sam is. Um but it, it'll just be like a scheme fit, honestly. You know, who, who gives them the best chance to win? And I think, that's, that, I think that it's Baker that gives them the best chance. This episode of No Playbook is sponsored by LTT Productions. Like, comment, share, tell your friends, even tell your grandma. Get the word out about LTT and we can watch this thing grow together. Sticking with some football, this time transitioning to college, we got some pretty big news. USC and UCLA are set to move to the Big Ten in 2024. Personally, I I love this move. I really do. You got to think of it where the time change is. So where I'm at right now here in Illinois, it is a, I think, a two-hour time difference. So right now, you know, it's it's going on 8 o'clock p.m. It is, you know, going on. I think they're two hours behind us, honestly. I'll have to look it up real quick. But either way, yeah. So California is two hours behind us, or behind me, I should say. And 
that means whenever their games are coming on, their prime time games, it's it's going on ten o'clock because they usually play around eight, and you know whenever they have the later games, like a nine ten o'clock, I, I'm up till midnight starting just starting to watch the game. In fact, so we don't really see a lot of West Coast games that aren't you know, kind of daytime games. And with USC being as big of a market as it is, they usually get the night games. It'll be a lot more fun. Uh, this isn't set to take place until 2024. But I think that it's a win-win for both the UC- USC and UCLA and then also the Big Ten. So USC has wanted to go kind of independent for a while now. They felt like they weren't getting treated as well in the Pac-12, and they have kind of come out and just said that they were unhappy and that they wanted to go independent. So they finished out their contract. USC and UCLA will finish out their year in the Big or in the Pac-12, excuse me, and then go to the Big Ten. I also like this move for me, the viewer. You got to think about where the time changes happen is where more stuff goes on, where you have more options to go do stuff. Uh, Las Vegas, Arizona, you know, California, and then you go, um, you know, to the East Coast, and then you've got New York and Florida. I guess it's, you know, kind of a southern state. But either way, um, where you see these bigger time changes, you don't really get the audience that you do around the Midwest because there's, there's not a lot to do. You know, and you know, you drive around and you, it's covered by in cornfields. So what I'm doing is, is I'm racing home trying to watch as much football as I can because right now we all miss it. I, I miss it. I know you miss it. And whenever USC is going to load up and they're going to play these Iowa, they're going to play Michigan, whew, Ohio State, That's those are going to be some really good games that are going to be marketed. And since they'll be in division, they'll play twice. They'll play once, obviously, in Ohio State. And then they'll play again in California. So that also broadens the viewership. You got, it's the weekend, you'll start seeing people from the Midwest because their their favorite team is involved in the game. You'll see them starting to stay up later and watch at least a little bit of the game. It, it may not be the whole game just because of, I mean, I'm like, I'm 21 and I feel old because I'm in bed super early. So you, you'll get, you'll see a little bit of a spike in just viewership from the Midwest out in California, specifically off the fact that, you know, I feel like the Midwest is more loyal to their team, if that makes sense. Because it's really, like like I said, if you've ever been to the Midwest in, in, in the United States, it is strictly cornfield. And, you know, this is the kind of the heart, obviously, of the U.S. But this is where a lot of the farmland is. If I go outside... And I walk 10 feet, I guarantee I'm going to run into a corn bush. You know, it, it's just one of those things. And I'm not complaining at all. It just makes TV and something more entertaining that much, you know, more desire. That's why, you know, you see a lot of people that they'll be working on their craft or, you know, they're just, I feel like they're, like I said, they're more, lo- they're more loyal to their team because what else are you going to do on a Saturday afternoon? I mean, unless you have an actual life, you, you know, I don't. I'll sit down and I'll watch 15 hours of college football and then turn around and watch 14 hours of NFL football. That is my That consists of my weekend. Um, so you, you'll get a lot more viewership basically off the fact that it's 10 o'clock, it's 7 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock, and people aren't really wanna, going to want to go out. And some of these bigger cities that are around here, you know, they're, they're not as, I, I, I guess the word I'm looking for is popping, 
as some of the you know the west coast or the east coast kind of cities they don't really get that that um the the vibe is what i'm trying to get at uh this also comes from better recruiting just specifically for the fact of it's usc and ucla and it's not just going to affect them but it's also going to affect illinois ohio state michigan obviously there's more teams than that but these are the top teams that are coming to mind uh, right off the, you know, right off, right off the rip. And you can also reach out to, you know, California whenever you are these teams, because usually you don't really play California. If you're a Midwest team, you don't really play it unless it's, you know, kind of a high marquee game. So you, that brings you to like, Oh, you know, you live in California, but you want to come to the Midwest, but you, we can still get you some home games specifically for the fact that we're going to have to travel out here eventually as well. So I'm, I think, again, this is a good move for everyone around, more money being made for everyone around, which is always a great thing. Um, you know, and again, UC, USC wanted to go independent. Now, USC has had a massive overhaul of just change since last year. Bringing in Lincoln Riley. Uh, I want to say it's Caleb Williams. I think that's who it is because I get him and then um, the guy from the kid, the quarterback from Ohio State mixed up. So I think it was Caleb Williams that came over with Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. And then you also have one of the best receivers in the nation coming over from Pitt, something Addison, Jay Addison. Um, again, he won, I believe, the Blitnikoff Award is what he won this past season. And people are asking, why are you going, you know, what are you doing? I think that he's going out there to play with a far superior quarterback because although Kenny Pickett isn't bad, Caleb Williams is going to be a, in, in NBA terms, a lottery pick, a top 10 pick for a team because there are going to be teams out there that are going to try to trade up to get, you know, this this quarterback draft class is stacked. You've got Bryce Young, Caleb Williams. Again, I cannot think of that guy's, that kid's name from Ohio State, but he'll also be in there. And then it's just a lot of, you know, heavy names that are coming out to, to go to the NFL. So this, this year with college football is going to be interesting, and then the NFL draft is going to be super interesting because you see older quarterbacks, like could this be Brady's last year? What if Trey Lance doesn't work with the Niners this first year? What does Carolina do? You know, What are the Saints going to do if Jameis doesn't work out? There's so many different things, Aaron Rodgers, that can come into play here this upcoming season. And Addison, I, like I said, I think he's the, be- he's the best receiver in the nation, and he's probably going to go – that, that's tough to see. I could see him going maybe top seven, top ten, if he's healthy next year to, to entering the draft and he has a good year. Because, again, the quarterback market is going to be so heavy up top. Uh, Detroit, I don't know if Detroit's really going to get the number one pick. I don't think that they're going to be great by any means, but I definitely don't think they're going to be as bad as what people think. I think their, their roster has improved dramatically since this past season they actually this was a stat that came out that kind of made everyone chuckle they have the most expensive offense at 123 million dollars goodness gracious i apologize uh they are paying some offensive line pieces i think taylor decker they're paying him a good penny jared goff is still on that massive extension from the rams their receivers aren't really being paid yet Amra St. Brown is on his still on his rookie deal. They got Jamison Williams. They brought in DJ Chark. And then TJ Hawkinson, I think, is on an extension because he's a top probably five to seven tight end. 
in the league. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But going back to USC and UCLA, kind of veered off here. Um, there's a meme that's been going around. Um, so whenever uh, Iowa runs their three tight end set and it's USC kind of um, stunned, like, oh, okay, we, we've never seen this before. So it'll be interesting to see, again, uh, USC. This college football season is going to be really good. Uh, make sure you're watching. This is going to be, uh, again, a really good – college football season just off the fact of there are so many new 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 excuse me familiar faces and new places brian kelly he's with lsu i think it's marcus freeman he's with notre dame lincoln riley is with usc uh then you got some some people on the hot seat with chip kelly you know being taking control of ucla ucla if they don't have a good year it could just clear house and being like we're going against the big 10 with a completely new and kind of revolutionized coaching staff and again if from what i've heard it could also include um excuse me i had a complete brain fart matt rule could also be in line for the ucla job if you know, Carolina doesn't work out with him. So this is going to be really interesting. Just overall season sports never ceases to entertain us, whether it's the off season or it's in season, because just everything that goes down, especially with college football, since teams can't, you know, really make adjustments to their teams. It's that much more interesting, especially with the four team playoff, which I really wish they would extend to get a wider variety in there and make it, I think they'd make more money off of it as well. Because it's, you know, an extended playoff. Everyone, you can't miss a game. So, yeah, USC, UCLA, going to be a huge money grab. I think it's going to, you know, and that's what it, that's what it's supposed to be, a huge money grab. I think it's going to be better for recruiting. It's better for me, the viewer, because I can actually stay up and watch the games on a Saturday night because, again, I'm completely boring. I just sit at home. You know, it gives me the opportunity to watch some teams that I personally don't really get to watch that often with that being – USC and UCLA coming to a Midwest kind of time zone to where, you know, they'll be playing at 8 o'clock my time, and the game will get over right around 10, 30, 11, somewhere in that range. So it'll be interesting, and I'm really excited to, uh, to see how it goes and how it works out. Make sure you stay up to date on everything LTT Productions related. You can follow LTT Productions on Twitter at LTT Productions 1. You can also follow the host of the No Playbook podcast, Drew Pounton, on Twitter as well, at Pounton18. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter for everything LTT Productions related. So we, we're, we're seeing some basketball. The NBA has just pretty much gone from the finals to the draft to now summer league that's been going on here recently. And... Uh, Top picks look good. Jabbar Smith off to a slower start. Uh, Keegan Murray has been lighting it up. Jaden Ivey has been lighting it up. Paulo Bancaro, who I seen a clip and I, I haven't really watched. I haven't watched any of them, but I seen a clip and you know it's just one clip of him. There's his teammates driving to the post, and he makes himself open. He's being guarded, but just kind of shuffles to the right, catches and shoots the three. It was so phenomenal. It was beautiful to watch. But I want to talk specifically about Chet Holmgren, the number two overall pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, his first game, he didn't play in the first, I want to say maybe first game or first two games, somewhere in that range. Chet, in on Summer League, 
has been averaging 15 points a game, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, and 4 blocks, shooting 43% from the field, 38 from 3, and 100% from the line, which is awesome to see. But I want to talk specifically about, yeah, his, his overall stats are good, but I want to go game by game by game with his his stats. So his first game, he's the talk of the league. He's the talk of all over pretty much every sports thing. Bleacher Report, Sports Center, ESPN. I know those are two of the same things, but they have different Twitter accounts pretty much. And then Sports Illustrated, he is all over my Twitter page because he erupts for his first game. And he he talks shit. He he talks his shit. 23 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. I think he set a record for the most blocks in summer league history with that being 6 against Utah. And he does. He talks his shit. And he does. And rightfully so. After having a game like that, I would too. But the next game, it was a good game overall. But he kind of showed his weakness in what really people were, were kind of worried about. He ended up putting up the next day 11 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks against the Grizzlies. And Kenny Lofton Jr. had himself a day. He Kenny Lofton, if you don't know, is out of Louisiana Tech, I believe. He went undrafted, signed by the Grizzlies, and I think he's going to make the active roster and maybe be a rotational piece. He's like 6'7", about 285, 280. He is a big kid, and he he's he bullied Chet down low. It's, it doesn't get any simpler than that. He bullied him down low. He got to his spot. You know, he would kind of bang with him, and Chet really couldn't do anything with it. And then he'd go down to the other end, Chet would, and try to post up Kenny Lofton, and it didn't work because he's seven seven foot and like 200 pounds. Kenny Lofton is 6'7 and almost 300 pounds. Now, go go get your buckets. I, like I said, I personally think he's going to make the roster. He may get some playing time. He may not. But he has been phenomenal these past, his first, you know, kind of look. And the last game that I had, I'm recording this, I think it's the 11th. Yep, I'm recording this on the 11th. So, Chet hadn't played another game yet. And then he comes out after playing, you know, the 6th against the Grizzlies, he comes out against the Rockets, puts up 12 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 blocks. Now, again, I, I don't have a problem with these stats. His first game, I think, is kind of where he he can be, obviously, with potential-wise, but I think games 2 and 3 are more likely that I'm going to come out and I'm going to get you maybe 15 points, 15 points, 10 rebounds, and two and a half to 3 blocks a game and maybe you know throw some assists, which I don't have a problem with. You know, Chet has been phenomenal. It was just he comes out game one, talks his shit, and then kind of gets bullied down low for pretty much what every scout and GM had a problem with him. He's just so damn talented to where you're kind of like, he'll figure it out. And he, he, he has that potential too. OKC is going to be really interesting this year because they are such a young team that you know, Josh Giddy has been playing in the summer league. He looks better than almost anybody out there. Then they're going to have Shea. They have, they're going to have um, the Williams, not brothers, but they, they drafted two guys named Jalen Williams. And then they're going to bring in uh, Pokashevsky, who's going to be there. Darius Bailey's still going to be there. They brought back Lou Dort on a really big contract. This team is really young. Now, whether they develop everybody is completely up to them. But I think Chet is going to... I I think he's going to, if he doesn't, I hate to be this guy, but I think if he doesn't really talk a lot, you know, he just kind of plays his game, I think he's going to disappear in OKC. OKC, I really do. You know, he's not going to be putting up. He he may have these games every once in a while, but 
I think it's just going to be, again, a guy that comes in. He averages 15 to 17 points a game, 10 to 12 rebounds, 2.5 to 3 blocks a game, and maybe right around 4 to 5 assists, which are not bad stats at all. And with OKC being so young and Josh Giddy being such a good playmaker and Shea being good on offense and defense, I think that this team could be a lot better than what you know they were last year. They were good, bad enough last year to get the number two overall pick. Uh, Bay Carroll looks good. Jaden Ivey looks good. Him and Cade look like they're going to be super fun to watch next year. Keegan Murray adds a lot of scoring to the Sacramento Kings, and people hated the pick, and I loved the pick. I personally was a fan of the pick. That's who I would have taken because Jaden Ivey personally, not personally, he came out and said that I don't want to go to Sacramento. So they, they got the best, the most NBA-ready player who in summer league is averaging like 20 points a game. He's going to come into the NBA, probably average 15, 17 points a game and just give you good buckets. He kind of reminds me of a Harrison Barnes is what he reminds me of. He's just a big wing that can kind of get you buckets whenever he's needed to. And that was his thing coming out of college is I'm going to get you buckets. And he's averaging, like I said, 20 in the summer league this far. Now, obviously, summer league is summer league. You're going up against guys that are kind of on your kind of level, like 45% of them aren't going to make an NBA roster. So you're going up against guys that you went up against in college throughout the year or, you know, with how global AAU is, guys that you went up against in AAU and, you know, all these other things. So you're accustomed to each other. It's, again, I think, Chet, I think these top three picks, Jabari Smith is getting off to a slower start than what most people would have assumed. He was a consensus consensus number one overall pick. I personally think the Magic were trying to gaslight people to try to get someone to trade up to get him being like, you know, maybe that being OKC or maybe it being Houston being like, we need we need Jabari Smith. We're going to give them number three or number two, and then we're also going to give them an additional pick or an additional player. And along with the trade, it didn't work, so they ended up taking Paolo Bancaro, and he's looked like a stud so far. Um, that's, again, who I would have went. The top three went how I would have drafted it, believe it or not. Uh, I really like Bancaro and his scoring ability and his kind of NBA bready body. He's been playing some pretty good defense on in the summer league. Chet, you know, fits in OKC perfectly. You they didn't need another kind of guy to take the scoring away. You're gonna have Josh Giddy who's gonna get him open. They're gonna throw him lobs. Yeah. I think that this Thunder team is gonna be much improved from last season. I think they're gonna be a lot more fun to watch just with Chet being block happy. You know, you get these young guys that come in, like Jaron Jackson Jr. this past season, where they just they're they're craving the block and they'll go for the block. They'll get in foul trouble early, but they're craving the block, especially with Chet because he's gonna be he's not gonna be as big as these NBA guys, so he's gonna have to try to go for the block after getting bullied down low. It's gonna get him in foul trouble. So I can see that being a problem. I don't expect him to get Giannis big because Giannis just was pretty much the same size as Chet. But Giannis bulked up. I think if Chet can add, you know, just a little bit of muscle, just to be competent enough on defense, um, I say that like he's not a great defender on defense or, you know, great defender already. I mean more or less competent enough to not get bullied down low because that's obviously his biggest thing is that he can get bullied down low. And we've seen it, again, with the Grizzlies. And Kenny Lofton Jr., again, I think he's going to make an NBA roster with the Grizzlies, but he may not. That's Kenny Lofton Jr., you know, who knows what 
Joel Embiid is going to do to him. What I, I wouldn't necessarily say Jokic because he's more of a a point forward, but a DeAndre Ayton might do to him, or you know, kind of one of these more. I hate to say traditional centers because it's not, but one of these centers that can just sit here and they can back you down and they can hit you with a fadeaway jump shot or a hook shot or they can just go straight up on you. So I think Chet has his hands full, and I think this rookie season is going to say a lot about him. I think from his jump from year one to two and two to three is really going to define his career. And I hate to say that so early, but if he doesn't feel like he's putting on muscle weight, he may be lifting weights. Obviously he said – Excuse me. He said it whenever he was on a podcast with Carl Anthony Towns and Gary Payton that, you know, he's he's like, yeah, if you think that I don't know anything or that, you know, I don't know the holes in my game, then, you know, you, you don't know, you know, because I'm the one that, that plays. I'm the one that lives with my, my holes. So he's working on it, you know. It's just a matter of will his body allow him to put on the muscle. I think that's the question, and I think that's what OKC is kind of wondering um, right about now. This episode of No Playbook is sponsored by LTT Productions. Like, comment, share, tell your friends, even tell your grandma. Get the word out about LTT and we can watch this thing grow together. This episode of No Playbook is brought to you in partnership with musician Jumbo the Bear God. You can get his new song, NDA, wherever you get your music, and make sure to check out his music video on YouTube, filmed by Bonzo Raps and in association with Create the Mood Films. A link to his YouTube page will be linked in the Twitter post and also in the description. Make sure you check him out wherever you get your music, and thank you to Jobo for partnering for this podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Smith Media Consulting. For all your audio or video production, or for media consulting, contact Smith Media Consulting at 618-294-3399. Again, contact Smith Media Consulting at 618-294-3399. Make sure you stay up to date on everything LTT Productions related. You can follow LTT Productions on Twitter at LTT Productions 1. You can also follow the host of the No Playbook podcast, Drew Pounson, on Twitter as well, at Pounson18. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter for everything LTT Productions related. Finally, a No Playbook first. We're going to talk some baseball here. The All-Star team was just announced, and there, there's a – I have, honestly, some push some pushback for it. But first, let me read you the rosters. The American League starters, catcher will be Alejandro Kirk from the Blue Jays. Vladdy Jr. will be at first for the Blue Jays. Jose Altuve will be at second. Rafael Devers will be at third. Tim Anderson will be at short. Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, and Giancarlo Stanton will all be in the outfield, and Shohei Otani will be the designated hitter that is, of course, for the American League. The National League, Wilson Contreras will be behind the plate. Paul Goldschmidt will be at first. Jazz Chisholm will be at second. Manny Machado will be at third. Trey Turner will be at short. Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and Jock Peterson will be in the outfield. And Bryce Harper, who has not played in what seems like forever due to a hand injury, will be at DH. Coming over to the reserves, this is kind of where I have a 
Got a problem with it. Jose Trevino from the Yankees will be behind the plate for the reserves. Luis Arias, Xander Bogarts, Jose Ramirez, and Andreas Jimenez. In the outfield, it'll be George Springer, Byron Buxton, Andrew Bendentendi, Kyle Tucker, Julio Rodriguez, and the designated hitter off the bench will be Jordan Alvarez. And for the National League, it'll be Travis Darno behind the plate. The infield will consist of Nolan Arenado, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, C.J. Crone, and Dansby Swanson. The outfield, Kyle Schwarber, Juan Soto, Sterling Marte, Ian Happ, and the D.H. will be Wilson Contreras. The this is the first time I think since like 2003 that that some uh, a pair of brothers have been in the All Star game together. That obviously being Wilson Contreras coming off the bench. Um, oh, excuse me. Uh, that will be obviously being Wilson Contreras starting in the All Star game, and then his brother William Contreras coming off the bench. The pitchers, uh, just to name a few, Justin Verlander, Shohei Otani, Clay Holmes, Gregory Soto, uh, Shane McLaughlin, Martin Perez. Um, okay, yeah, that's all I've seen there. And then from the National League, Clayton Kershaw, Sandy Alcantara, Corbin Burns, Max Fried, uh, Joe Musgrove, Edwin Diaz, Josh Hader, Ryan Helsley, uh, just, of course, to name some of the few. And if you want to check those out, I am on CBS Sports if you want to check out the four rosters. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, the pitching staff, I don't think it really is. I don't really have a problem with Sandy Alcantara is going to be, you know, is in line to win the Cy Young. Clayton Kershaw has just been phenomenal as he usually is. Now, the MLB did issue some, I think they called them legacy picks, if I remember correctly, and that being... Yep, here we go. Legacy picks, Albert Pujols for the Cardinals. And then, of course, also on the other side out of the AL, it'll be Miguel Cabrera, two of the best hitters of our generation and of all time for that matter. Now, here is my problem. So I scoot back my chair so I can sit up and talk to you. Here's my problem with baseball at this point is that it's become a home run league. Now, that's fine and all. Whenever it's summertime, and this is why I'm not really super high on the Yankees. It's a home run league. Pete Alonso got in, and this was the, in my opinion, one of the biggest snubs that didn't happen. Pete Alonso got in over Ty France. Ty France has played, yes, he has played 11 less games than Pete Alonso. Um, but hit-wise, Ty France leads in hits. He leads in doubles. They both have zero tripper, triples. Pete Alonso leads in home runs and RBIs. He also leads in stolen bases. He has been caught stealing more times. He leads in walks. And my favorite category, he leads in strikeouts out of the two by about 24. But Ty France, he may he doesn't do it fancy here, or cool, I should say. He obviously has more doubles. He has more hits, less home runs, less RBIs. He has significantly less strikeouts. He has a higher batting percentage. He has a higher on-base percentage. It's just Pete Alonso has a higher slugging percentage, OPS, and then their OPS plus is honestly separated by five. It's This is, again, my problem with the MLB right now is that it's so home run friendly. 
And again, this is why I mentioned earlier why I'm not super high on the Yankees coming out of the AL. I think that the Astros are significantly better than the, than the Yankees. The Yankees just have people that hit that, that go yard. That's pretty much it. Aaron Judge leads the league in home runs. He's not followed, or he's followed by Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Rizzo. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, the Yankees they have a really, really, really good pitching staff. But Aaron Judge, his swing is home run or strikeout. That's it. Giancarlo Stanton's swing, strikeout, home run. That's it. If I were to pull up the stats, and again, you can't go off of stats for everything, and I'm using Stathead Baseball for that matter. It's just one of those things, and I've said it, you know, whenever you come in expecting, you know, players in October to hit the ball, especially in Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium should be the opposite of what they're doing right now. They, It's going to get super cold whenever it comes time for the playoffs because obviously they're going to be they're the best team in baseball right now. They're going to make the playoffs. I Again, I'm just not for this being a, a home run league. It's cool and all. You know, it's cool to hit home runs and, you know, kind of get on the board and show your team. But if you're not getting on base at all outside of home runs, then I, I, that's a problem. Aaron Judge is a league leader in home runs with 30. He has 65 RBIs. He has 93 strikeouts. 93. His batting average is 283. His on-base percentage is a 361. His slugging percentage is 610. His OPS is a 971. And then we take a look at his teammate, Giancarlo Stanton. And Judge also has 90 hits and 14 doubles for that matter. But Giancarlo Stanton, playing in 12 less games, has 22 home runs, 56 RBIs, 33 walks to judges, 41, excuse me, I didn't forget, I forgot to mention that one. Strikeouts, he has 80, Giancarlo Stanton does, has a significantly less batting average, a 236, on-base percentage is a 320, slugging percentage is a 512, OPS is a 831. So between the two, I would say best players on the Yankees. I don't know, you've got Matt Carpenter over there who apparently has just found his swing and is raking again. Between the two, you have 93 strikeouts and 80 strikeouts. Let me do some quick maths in my head real quick. That is 173 total strikeouts. It's a lot of strikeouts between your top two players. Whenever you play at a field that is significantly known for going yard, but whenever you're going to come to Houston, you're going to come to... I don't know. Boston has kind of been on a little winning streak, and this I'm and kind of getting back to the root of my point is that it's just a you hit home runs and you're all over you know the league. Yes, they are winning, and again, they have a really good pitching staff, but you cannot have your best two players striking out 173 times through they've played a combined. 154 games, I believe, um, but but through 80 game, 80 80-ish games, they have struck out 173 times. 
That is ridiculous. You're not going to be able to hit the bar. It, it's July, July 11th. You're not going to be able to hit the ball 400 feet whenever it's cold outside. And it starts getting cold outside in September. Kind of latest, later September into October. But either way, you get my point to where right around the time the playoffs come around, you're going to go 162-0. and but if you don't, it's kind of like the, the the Jordan thing. You know, the Jordan and the Warriors thing where it doesn't mean a thing without the ring. You can sit here and hit 700 home runs for a team. You're going to break some records, yeah, but are you going to win a ring? If you are only known for hitting home runs, probably not. Probably not. Pitching staffs get shorter in the playoffs. Again, it's colder, so you're not going to get that pop off the bat. Now, I know they've been messing with the ball, so it may come out to be that I am just going to be having a bowl and a spoon and eating all of my words whenever they come win the World Series. But to right now, at this moment, at 8 o'clock on July 11th, 2022, I do not have the Yankees winning the World Series. I don't have them in the World Series. I have them losing to the Astros because the Astros, Justin Verlander, has drunk seven pints of the Fountain of Youth and is, I think, he may be leading the case for the AL Cy Young. 39-year-old Justin Verlander has aged like fine wine, like LeBron, like Ronaldo, like Messi. He has aged like Tom Brady. Just so beautifully. Clayton Kershaw is kind of up there too. But man, I am not on the Yankee train. And I haven't been this whole season. Yeah, it's cool. You know, I personally am a Cardinals fan and I love Mount Carpenter. He's one of my favorite Cardinals of all time. So seeing him get a chance with the Yankees and him having a really good season hitting, you know, dingers is awesome. But do I see them winning a World Series? No. I don't. And you can clip this and you can send it to me, you know, in October and November whenever they do win the World Series and they sweep, I don't even know who, the Braves more than likely. The Braves and the Dodgers are just phenomenal. It'll probably be those two again in the NLCS. But, again, it just comes down to home runs don't win championships. Not having 173 strikeouts through 80 games gives you the feel that, okay, this team is literally just known for hitting home runs, and whenever they go up against Justin Verlander in the playoffs, I, I, let, let me look. Let me look at the the standings here for baseball before I sign off here so I can give you some pitchers. Because, yeah, again, the Astros are really good. The Yankees are 61 and 25. My goodness, that is ridiculous. The White Sox are really need to get under control. But either way, it doesn't matter. The Astros have Justin Verlander. The Angels, I don't think they're going to make any sneaky moves um, to kind of roll bounce and hit a winning streak because it's the Angels. Why would they have two of the greatest players of our generation and not do anything with it? But they have Shohei Otani. The Guardians have Shane Bieber, who I think is having a pretty decent season. 
White Sox and Tigers and Royals are pretty much out of the race at this point. The Royals are starting to make a, a move that the Blue Jays have some pretty good pitchers. The Rays have some really good pitchers. The Red Sox are going to get Chris Sale back eventually. And then over the National League, now this is, you know, worst case scenario, you meet them in the World Series. The Mets have the best pitching staff. Right across, the, right across the road, the Mets, Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, they have not played in forever, and they are still 53-33. and 33. This is a team that I like that could win the World Series. The Astros, the Mets, the Braves, no one of the NL Central. The NL West has the Dodgers, I think, could win. The Padres could even make a run for it, I think. So you're going to run up against these teams to have Clayton Kershaw. The Padres have Joe Musgrove, who's been really good. I think it's Mike Clevenger, who also has just come back. The Brewers, if for some god reason that they make it, they have Corbin Burns and, oh, this is going to bother me, whoever their closer is, who is just a stud. I can't, Josh Hader, Josh Hader. Josh Hader, they have two of the best pitchers in all of baseball. The Mets have two of the top five pitchers in all of baseball. The Braves have Max Fried, who has been playing really well. They also have a fantastic offense that isn't led by specifically home runs. The Phillies have Aaron Nola. Now it would take their 46 and 40 right now. They've been beating the dog shit out of the Cardinals here recently. But, again... I, you can feed this to me here in a couple of months whenever the Yankees are hoisting their 28th World Series championship of all time, and I will eat those words. But as of right now, I do not believe the Yankees. I don't believe in the Yankees. If it's going to be anything, it's going to be their pitching staff. Their pitching staff. And I'm not saying Judge has ungodly power. Giancarlo Stanton has some really good power. They're playing at Yankee Stadium. That's one of the most home run friendly ballparks in all of baseball. I'm sure that they're going to be hitting home runs. But is it going to be at the variety of 30 through 80 games? Is it going to be at the variety of maybe you hit 10 to 15 throughout the playoffs? And I don't know if that seems like a lot, but you know it'd be pretty much be yeah, that's a lot. It's probably about a home run every game or so. So maybe five to seven home runs. Because they each, I think in baseball, the first round is the best of three. And then it goes to the best of five and best of seven, I believe. That, that's how it works. Um, but either way, again, you clip this, you send it back to me in October, whenever the Yankees are hoisting their World Series, and I will gladly get a bowl and a spoon and eat my words. But as of right now, again, I know I've said it a lot, but I am not a believer in the Yankees. And whenever they don't win, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they didn't win. I will clip this and I will spread it and be like, look, I have been saying this since July. And I've been saying this before July, before I've said it on this podcast. But I'm just now getting it out there to the world. I've been telling my inner circle, I guess my inner circle, my friends that follow sports as well, I'm not a believer in the Yankees. Like, oh, how can you not believe be a believer in the Yankees? Because I watch film on Aaron Judge's swing. It is home run or strikeout, and the stats agree. Agree with me. Some kid from Illinois that doesn't know what he's talking about. 173 strikeouts through 80 games. I'll leave you at that. This episode of No Playbook is brought to you in partnership with musician Jumbo the Bear God. You can get his new song, NDA, wherever you get your music, and make sure to check out his music video on YouTube, filmed by Bonzo Raps and in association with Create the Mood Films. 
A link to his YouTube page will be linked in the Twitter post and also in the description. Make sure you check him out wherever you get your music, and thank you to Jobo for partnering for this podcast. All right, that is going to do it. First podcast in the new setup. It's not all the way done, but I needed to get some content out to you. Uh, be looking out for Thursday. I'm wanting to drop a NFL redraft. I had done all the research to do before the draft, and then I didn't end up uploading a lot before the NFL draft. So I have, I can actually tell you, I think it's from 2017 on, I have redrafts of the NFL. And I may do, if if, if it uh, if it does really well, I may go back and do some, in, some NBA, but the MLB has like 57 rounds. Um, there's no way I'm doing that. So if it gets some good feedback, I may do an NBA redraft from 2017 uh, to present day. But be looking out for that. Uh, I'm wanting to drop it right around Thursday. I'm wanting to drop weekly podcasts every Thursday. That's my goal as of right now. I'm wanting to get a lot of content out, and then, of course, we'll just progress from there. Um, Football is right around the corner. Basketball will be getting started soon. Baseball is going to be starting to hit there. I've been watching a lot of baseball a lot more here recently than what I have been the past couple of years. Um, and I miss it. I, I miss baseball. Baseball is awesome. I love it so much. Um, but baseball is going to start ramping up to where every game kind of starting to matter a lot more than what they did the first half. You know, it's like that with every sport except for you know football where it's probably week 11. Then you're like, oh, shit, we only have a couple games and we got to win four of the next five to make the playoffs. Right around the All-Star break, that's whenever things start to pick up a little bit. Still waiting on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to get traded. Um, who knows if that will happen. I think that the Nets have a really good team, so I think that Kevin Durant should stay. Uh, they've brought in some really good pieces. So, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of No Playbook. Again, I want to thank all of our sponsors. A new sponsor today, Jobo the Bear God. He, uh, he messaged me on Twitter and, you know, said, hey, I've got a song for you to listen to. And I said, well, I think we can help each other out here because it is it is a really good song. I really enjoyed it. The first the first hook, the beat drops, and he just goes, and whew, it is something to listen to. So, again, thank you for listening. Thank you again. I want to hear from you, so go ahead and follow me on Twitter. LTT Productions is what you're listening to through the no, – you're listening to No Playbook through LTT Productions, but you can follow – LTT Productions on Twitter at LTT Productions. And you can follow me, Drew Pounton, on Twitter as well. It's Pounton18. It's spelled just like mountain, but with a P, 18, on Twitter as well. So, yeah, I want to thank you again for listening. This is Drew Pounton from No Playbook and LTT Productions signing off.